0: his sin angered God. Do you have room in your theology for a God who gets angry? Do you? He's like, oh, that's the Old Testament God. I like to believe in the New Testament God. He's all about love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Listen, there's only one God and he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Sin angers God. If you're a parent, you can understand how God can love and experience anger at the same time. Mark it down. Hidden sin angers God. It's
1: a real emotion of a real God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Last week, we learned that spiritual victory comes when we actively place our faith in God, trusting Him to lead us in the battle. Sometimes, though, it seems like we can experience defeat right on the heels of victory. So what can we do to prevent this? Well, today we'll see one example from God's Word on something that leads to certain defeat and what precautions we can take to avoid it. Let's listen now as Pastor Trent Griffith continues in his series in the book of Joshua with a message called Buried by Sin. Here's Pastor Trent.
0: The last time that we were together, if you remember, we were in Joshua chapter six, and uh, you remember that the theme of that message, the theme of chapter six is, is spiritual victory. Spiritual victories are fought and won by faith. And as much as that was a climactic moment of God's people experiencing spiritual victory, As soon as we get into chapter seven, we flip the coin, and the theme of chapter seven is spiritual defeat. Here's the theme. Certain defeat awaits the people who tolerate hidden sin. If chapter 6 was a high point, a mountaintop, we get into chapter 7, and we are right back in the valley. We're going to learn five things about hidden sin this morning. How many of you have ever watched that television show, Is CSI? Anybody ever watched that? This is CSI Jericho, okay? What does CSI stand for? Crime Scene Investigation. What we find in chapter 7 is a crime scene, and we have to find out who done it. Let's find out who done it. Let's begin reading here in chapter 7, verse 1. The people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan. The son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people. Of Israel. Well, we find out very quickly who done it. That's kind of the opening scene of this episode of CSI Jericho. And now we got to figure out how did that happen and why did that happen. Here's the first thing we're going to learn about hidden sin hidden sin angers God. Is that hard for you to grasp? Notice here in verse 1 the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. Why is that? Well, Israel had violated the covenant that God had pulled them into. And we read back over in verse 18 of chapter 6, if you'll let your eyes go back to verse 18, you'll notice this was the command as God's people entered this territory, the promised land. Verse 18, God told them, "...but you keep yourself from the things devoted to destruction." lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. God would not allow the people to plunder the possessions of Jericho. Everything was to be burned. Everything was to be completely annihilated except for the treasure that was to go into the treasury of the Lord. And yet there was a man that God has greedy little fingers on some of the stuff. He's identified here in verse one, as the man named, what was his name? Achan. Achan, and he brought trouble upon himself and he brought trouble upon the people of God and his sin angered God. Do you have room in your theology for a God who gets angry? He's like, oh, that's the Old Testament God. I like to believe in the New Testament God. He's all about love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Listen, there's only one God. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sin angers God. You say, well, I can't really reconcile that because how could a loving God be angry? Uh, Do we have any parents in the room? (laughs) Where, Where are the parents? How many of you have at least one child that you love? okay does that child ever do something stupid that angers you and yet when you are angry at this child do you stop loving the child no it's your love that lays the foundation for the anger because what you're angry at is they are forfeiting the best for their lives. You're angry at the scars and the damage and the pain that they're inviting into their life because you love them so much. Um, Have you seen Micah's kids, cutest kids, Reese, Callie, and Blaze? Do you know I do not get angry when Micah's kids do something stupid? I mean, I like Reese, Callie, and Blaze, we had them over at the house last night after the service. I like them. I like them all. But I don't get angry when they do something stupid. Why? They're not my kids, right? That's Micah's responsibility. And Micah loves them far greater than I ever could. Now, when Zach does something stupid, I get angry, okay? Because I want him to have the best. And if you're a parent, you can understand how God can love and experience anger at the same time. Mark it down, hidden sin angers God. It's a real emotion of a real God. Now, some of us have trouble understanding this because when you and I get angry, we are almost always in sin, right? The Bible tells us that there is a a way to experience anger without sinning. Ephesians chapter four tells us to be angry but do not sin. So it's possible, but how often do you sin when you get angry? It's almost all the time, right? The Bible tells us over in James chapter 1 that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But when we think about the anger of God, realize this. The anger of God always produces the righteousness of God. Because God is perfect in all of his ways. He has absolute moral perfection. Everything he does is right. And when we do something stupid, it produces an anger in God. Listen, without the anger of God, love, grace, and forgiveness has absolutely no meaning. Until you understand that because of sin, I have made myself an object of God's anger. Until you grasp the weight of that concept, you have no need for a God who mercifully forgives. Without the anger of God, the cross of Jesus Christ has no point. If you want to see a picture of the anger of God towards sin... Think about what happened on that cross. That was a picture of the anger of God being poured out on Jesus Christ because of the anger God has toward every sin. Now, by the way, this message is for sinners here this morning, okay? So if you're not a sinner, you are dismissed. All the perfect people can now leave the service because this is a message for people who have sinned. Do you believe there's any sin in here? Absolutely. There's some hidden sin in here. And by the end of the service, our desire is that hidden sin would be confessed and forsaken and repented of so that you don't have to suffer the consequences of the anger of God. Look at verse 2. Let's find out what happened here. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. AI is not an acronym for artificial intelligence. It was actually a name of a city. It says it was near beth Aven, east of Bethel, and Joshua said to them, Go up, spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out AI. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up. Just let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack AI. Don't make all the people go up and toil there, for they are few. You know what the scouting report was on AI? They're a 16 seed, we're a one seed. We don't even have to start our our starting five. Just put the backups out there. We don't have to sweat. We don't have to labor. I mean, for crying out loud, we just conquered Jericho. You know what they were? They were overconfident and they underestimated the power of the enemy. And when you do that, you set yourself up for a spiritual defeat. You talk about a bracket buster? Look at verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, and they all fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate, as far as whatever that word is, and struck them at the descent And their hearts, the hearts of the people, melted and became as water. Do you understand that there is no temptation that you can resist when you are proud, self-righteous, and think that you cannot fall into sin? When you are overconfident and you underestimate the power of the enemy, that's when you are most prone to fall and suffer a great spiritual defeat. That's what happened here to the people of Israel. The smallest temptation is impossible for me to resist without a desperate dependency upon the grace and the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall it's when you are proud that you are in the most danger of being defeated by the enemy here's the second thing we need to learn about hidden sin hidden sin cannot be hidden from god look here at verse 6 then joshua tore his clothes that was a sign of humility The reason why you see this all over and over in the Old Testament, when people were in sin and people were suffering spiritual defeat, the kings, the leaders, they would tear their clothes. It was a sign of what was going on inside of their own heart. They didn't want to have any pretense of wearing fine royal clothes on the outside. They wanted the outside to represent what was going on on the inside. Their hearts were broken. Their faith had been torn and they ripped their clothes on the outside to symbolize what was going on on the inside. So Joshua tore his clothes and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Again, another sign of humility. Now, if you've been tracking with us through the book of Joshua, that ought to sound familiar to you. Do you remember back at the end of chapter five, when Joshua came and met the commander of the armies of the Lord? And do you remember what Joshua did when he realized who the commander of the armies of the Lord was? What did he do? He fell on his face and worshiped. And so Joshua was like, okay, what do we do? We've been defeated. I need to go before the Lord and fall on my face and seek him. Notice what happens in verse seven. And Joshua said, alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we would have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. You know what he was saying? He's like, we never should have got in this battle to begin with. And he's asking God, why have we suffered this spiritual defeat? That's a good question to ask when you're defeated by hidden sin. God, why do I keep falling? What is going on? If you're facing some resistance in your life right now, if there's turmoil and chaos going on in your life right now, it would be good for you to go to God and ask, God, is the opposition and the chaos in my life caused by some hidden sin in my life? That's a good prayer to pray. He goes in, look down here at verse 10. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Interesting, isn't it? The Lord says to Joshua, this is not a time for you to be praying. This is a time for you to be leading. This is a time for you to get involved and go on a search for the reason why you have been defeated. It's exactly what he does. God tells him in verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them, and they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Israel is sinned. We need to define that. What, what is sin? Have you heard of it? It's a concept in the Bible. Uh, sin, it's still a thing. Whatever happened to sin? Sin. What is sin? Sin at its very core is not something that I do. Now, those are sins. There's real sins. For this message, I even thought about, like, how do we get the concept? How do we expose sin in here? And I thought, maybe I'll just give you a list of 100 sins, and you could go through and check off the ones that you were hiding. I thought about that. But do you understand that sin at its core is simply unbelief? It's a failure to believe God. The reason we know that is because of those two words I had you underline there in verse one. How does this whole episode start? It starts, notice in verse one, with a broken faith. Do you have a broken faith? You just simply don't believe that what God has said is wrong, is wrong for you. You think all those rules and all that judgment and stuff, that's all back in the past and we live in a contemporary society and I'm sure God would understand. I mean, after all, I kind of feel like I just kind of was born to sin and it's kind of good because you know God loves to forgive sin and I love sin so I have this great relationship with God because I sin and He loves and it's just this great love relationship. If that's your attitude towards sin, you do not understand sin. Sin starts when I don't believe what God has said is true. Sin is a broken faith with God. When we come into relationship with Christ, for those of us that are Christians, we've uh, bowed before His Lordship and we said, I'm living my life, no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. When you do that, you enter into boundaries for your life. Christ is Lord. He gets to set the rules. And it doesn't matter how many shots you make outside of the boundary. It doesn't count. We're to live our lives inside the boundary, and that's what sin is. Sin is trespassing. It is, as it says here uh, in verse 11, that we transgress the covenant of the Lord. You're playing life outside of the boundaries, and when you do it is not gonna go well for you and it's not gonna go well for the people that you love. Sin is described, look here in verse 15. It says, and he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire and he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing. Sin is an outrageous thing to God. Sin no longer is an outrageous thing to you and I. We justify it, we rationalize it, we excuse it, we blame others for our sin, rather than understanding that when I sin, I have done an outrageous thing. The word outrageous there comes from the word that can be translated stupid. Sin is stupid. Aren't you glad you came to church? Just write that down and, and remind yourself the next time you're tempted to sin, this is stupid. This is the dumbest thing that I could do is to walk outside of the boundary that God has given me. Sin is trespassing in territory that God doesn't want me to be walking in. And understand this, sin is declaring war on God. It is setting myself up as an enemy of God and saying, God, I will set my own rules. I will live as I please. Get out of my life. And it is not until we understand that what may be covered on earth is exposed in heaven. Hidden sin cannot be hidden by God. Look down here at uh, verse 12. God wants to deal with the sin. And He says, Therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They've turned their back before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction, and I will be with you no more. Do you understand that when you sin, you forfeit the presence of God? The next time you're tempted to sin, understand that God says... I will be with you no more. It doesn't mean that we lose our relationship with Christ. It it means we lose the sense of his presence, the sense of his goodness, the sense of his power. You want to go through life without the presence of God? It says, unless you destroy the devoted things from among you in verse 12. Then in verse 13, he gives Joshua an assignment. Get up consecrate the people and say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst. Oh, Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Look at verse 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall become near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall become near by man. Do you understand what what God was doing? God says, I want you to get everybody in their appropriate tribe. So if there's 2 million people, we don't exactly know how many people there were, but let's say a tribe was like 100,000 people. And then he says, I want you to section off the 100,000 people, not by tribes, but by clans. And so maybe that was like 100 people. And then he says, by households. So maybe that's down to like 10 people. Now, if you are Achan and you notice that Joshua is starting to put people into smaller and smaller groups to try to figure out who is the one person that has brought trouble on Israel, at what point do you stand up and say, it's me? It's me. Just stop. It's it's it's. It, eventually, you're going to whittle it down and you're going to find me, right? But Achan doesn't do that. He continues to hide, and he continues to hide, and God continues to expose, and God continues to expose to bring it out. God wants to cut out the cancer of sin among those people. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I had this little procedure done on my foot. Let me tell you what I had. Um, it's kind of gross. I may lose credibility here, but how many of you have ever had a planter's wart? Right? Lift your hands. Confess your planter's wart in church. Get that thing exposed in church, right? So, so I went to the doctor. It, it had been there for like a year, and it was growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and he told me that when a planter's wart grows, it not only grows out, but it grows in. Ooh. And he described what was happening. He said, Trent, you have to understand a wart is a virus. I said, no, he said, yeah, it's a virus. And you got to get all of it out. i like, can't you just kind of freeze it off? I'm like, no, that won't work. He said, Trent, you have to get every cell that has that virus in it or it will simply grow back. And so even though it was like a pencil point On my foot, he took out a quarter-sized chunk of meat out of the bottom of my foot. It's still a little tender. And when I'm feeling especially lazy and don't want to do anything around the house, I tell Andrea, it's kind of hurting today, okay? (laughs) So anyway, but do you understand that sin is a virus that spreads unless you get every single cell out? That's what God is committed to do in your life, in your family, and in this church. Why are we so serious about exposing sin? Because God's glory is at stake among his people in the church. What you think is hidden, God sees in heaven. It's expressed in Psalm 139, verses 11 and 12. Here's a guy that's thinking, you know, maybe I can cover my sin. He says, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. But God says, even the darkness is not dark to me. And the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with me understand that hidden sin cannot be hidden from God. And then the third thing, hidden sin won't remain hidden. Hidden sin won't remain hidden. Look here at verse 15. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near by tribe and the tribe of Judah was taken. Skip down to verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, After they had whittled it down by tribe, by clan, by household, by man, he finally walks up to Achan. And eyeball to eyeball confronts him about his sin. And he says, my son, give glory to God. Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Interesting, isn't it? If you're going to confront somebody over sin, have you ever had this conversation with somebody that you love? Maybe a child, maybe someone in your small group. It's a hard conversation, isn't it? It takes an incredible amount of love to have that hard conversation. You have to love someone enough to confront them over their sin. But I doubt that your conversation started with this. Give glory to the Lord God. Is that the way you start that conversation? So why did Joshua say that? It's because Joshua understood that giving glory to God and hiding sin are mutually exclusive activities. You can't do both at the same time. We sing the song, show me your glory, show me your glory. You wanna see God's glory? Confess your sin.
1: The Bible says in Romans 5 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Pastor Trent Griffith taught us today, Coming into relationship with Christ means we bow before His Lordship and decide to follow His leadership by turning away from sin. When we turn from sin, we invite God's presence and protection on our lives. Well, each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, followers of Christ gather together to worship Him through the public proclamation of His Word and through worship. We invite you to join us on either our Granger, Indiana campus or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus You can find more information online at harvestgranger.org. We'd especially like to invite our listeners in Elkhart County to a special vision meeting this Sunday, July 16th, after our 11.30 a.m. service to hear more about our plans for an extension campus near you. Plan to worship with us at our 11.30 service and stay for a brief vision meeting after. Well, I'm Aaron Follis. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.